My goodness gracious, I thought that this was supposed to be spring or something, but we've been facing off against against snow again over here. I don't like it. I don't like this. I feel like um uh, I feel like we've been unlucky with the weather, Will. Much like the Arthur kids have been unlucky in the episode we're going to watch this week. Very true, Lucas. I think that's a that's a that's a very very astute, astute observation. Yeah. Uh, we're, we, uh, well, oh, wait a second. Oh, no, it, it's not going to be Friday the 13th. It's going to be Saturday the 13th. So not quite what we're going to be talking about today here on Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast recording to you in the dead of nighttime or something like that. Uh, my name's Will Young and my co-host there is Lucas Mancini. <laughs> That's my... Friday the 13th sound effect impression. You know what? The first thing that I thought of, it wasn't actually the uh, it wasn't actually the movie. It's uh, the song by the Misfits, Friday the 13th. Oh, interesting. It's okay. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm familiar. It's okay. It's very late Misfits, so you know, your Ooh. mileage may vary on that, but it's, it's all right. It's pretty good. Uh, well, welcome, everybody. This is indeed the last episode of Arthur Season 6 that we will be discussing today, and I'm uh, going to start here by switching things up a little bit. You see... Um, one of the uh, one of the one of the joys in life that I find is every once in a while, uh, I open up my email and it says, "Hey, you got yourself a new patron over on Patreon.com/slash/ElwoodCityLimits," which is uh, which is great. Uh, we love it, uh, and thank you very much. <laughs> but, Boy, do we ever? Yes, um, but what is um, <laughs> what's happening is so normally when you listen to an episode of the show, there is a pre-recorded. Um, listing off of the Patreon, the patron names. And honestly, <laughs> uh, we're, we are getting new patrons at such a quick rate that I, I, I can't really, I don't really have n- not so much time, I guess kind of the patience to pre-record them anymore. <laughs> you're, so, what you're saying is it, it's a good problem to have. There's just too many people giving us money. It's a wonderful problem to have. So uh, with your blessing, Lucas, I think what I'm going to do from here on is I'm going to move the patron announcements to the very beginning of our discussion here, and I will uh, read them off live since we uh, they seem to be trickling in more and more. Is that all right with you? That is quite all right with me. I can't wait to hear these usernames. Well, Lucas, uh, this episode of Elwood City Limits is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Listeners like you, including Chander Lafave Boten, Christine Wong, Christopher Ifill, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K, Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, our boy John Dulong, John Griswold. Is that is that Froppy of Class 1A from UA High School that, that's donating to the Patreon? The frog girl herself? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Maybe? I, uh, I'm, I could I, explain it to you, but I feel like it's better if I don't. Perhaps. Uh, all right. Uh, we also have our new patron, Kaylin Krogol, who I believe sent us an email this week as well. We also have Kevin Noon, Leanne S., Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, Ross Ward, Sam Solero, Stella, and Teresa. Thank you one and all. Welcome to our Patre- Patreon, and thank you for being our patrons. Are you excited to read that list out every week for the rest of your life? Or we'll at least to. until we finish Arthur? Because <laughs> I know I'm excited. Maybe, I'm we'll, very... maybe we'll do shifts. Maybe I'll read it next week. Maybe. I'll have to make sure that I get the right one right one there uh, next time. Okay, so we are, all, we are all jazzed here. It's been a heck of a week. We're ready to get into this episode. But of course, before we are going to be taking a little bit of a break, and we'll explain that at the end of the episode, uh, we got to read some emails here over at Elwood City Limits at gmail.com first one comes in from dylan subject line i went to school with celebrities lucas this is wild (laughs) get ready hi guys is dylan from like la because i feel like that disqualifies you i don't think so in fact uh i believe dylan is canadian and we will we will find out why you've piqued my interest Hi, guys. So last week you were talking about going to school with famous people, and I did. I grew up in the same city as Mauro Ranallo. Oh, my gosh. Was taught home ec by Evangeline Lilly's father. 
So Evangeline Lilly of Lost and Ant-Man fame. No, it's a big get. We have to go back, Kate. And the ultimate claim is, I went to school with and saw him frequently in the halls and the gyms from the authors of Pain, Akum. <laughs> Akum's the ultimate get? I think that's a pretty cool. That's pretty cool, I think. I live not too far from his house, if I may add. He was always on the wrestling team. Go figure. I've seen him around since elementary school. He graduated high school a year or two after I did, but that's my claim to fame. Well, there you go. That's actually pretty neat. I don't think I went to school with any wrestlers, except for, like, local wrestlers. Mm, mm. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. Um, that's pretty cool, especially that he was on the wrestling team. Yeah. Thank you, Dylan. Very interesting and uh, nice claim to fame there. Our next one comes in from former guest on the show, John Dulong. Hey, fellas, long time, no email. First and foremost, if you're after Montreal-style bagels, the spot on Wise Road that Lucas mentioned is the absolute first draft pick in the HRM. No other spot that. in the city Again, I just love the listeners that are going to get all this um, this bagel discourse. Uh, local bagel discourse yeah, at that. this ultra-regional bagel discourse. I can imagine it makes for great radio. Well, it's clearly working for our friend John here, so <laughs> glad that he could uh, hash this out. Second, on the subject of blackouts in a grocery store, Will, your first instinct is correct. They are a pain. I worked in a grocery store in one of the small communities that the radio station that you two used to work at services, and a power outage was a massive pain in the butt every single time. As Will mentioned, the early part of the outage was spent rounding up customers and getting them out of the store while ensuring that frozen and perishable foods had sufficient insulation during the outage then it was a bit of a nervous waiting game hoping against hope that the power would be back on before it became imperative to move these items to refrigerated trucks lest the store lose thousands of dollars in spoiled food this often meant that you'd have to work extra time in order to get the items onto the trucks and then invariably you'd be called in to help unload and reshelve items when the power came back that's about all I have to add because no one famous ever came from my hometown. Well, that sounds pretty awful, and I really hope that the power wasn't off as long as it was, as I detailed in the last episode of Elwood City Limits. I, I, do you know John's hometown? I'm sure there's someone famous. Uh, yes, uh, Middleton, Nova Scotia. Okay, let's see. Famous people. Is, Get my Google segment out of the way. Yeah, this is the part Middle. of the episode where Lucas audibly Googles something. Middleton, Nova. By the way, I'll take I'll take this moment to mention that uh, while we're recording this, my wedding is three days away, and uh, Lucas, you'll actually be able to meet John because you'll both be guests at my wedding. Ooh, that's fun stuff. Notable residents. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, uh, Holly Taylor. Uh, she was in the Broadway production of uh, Billy Elliot. Okay. And she played a character on The Americans on FX. Oh. Uh, we also have William Sampson, a terrorist. Oh, boy. That's it, baby. Uh, so, yeah, we have William Sampson, uh, a notable terrorist, uh, British and Canadian national who was arrested in Saudi Arabia in the year 2000. Um, and Holly Taylor from... Uh, the Americans, which I hear is a good show. This would have well, been pretty recently, too, around John age. She's uh, only 21. Anyway. Well, John wasn't whistling Dixie. Uh, it turns out that not a whole lot of people come from Middleton, but it's a small town. So uh, thank you, John, for your email. Uh, next one here is from Kelsey Marie, and it's called Ratburn's Puppetry Sets. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say congratulations to Will on getting married or soon to be married. Thank you, Kelsey. As for Lucas, just wanted to let you know that Ratburn does continue on with his puppet shows and set building. He later on does more theater set designs as well. Uh, so we can look forward to that later in the show. As for the Arthur Marathon voting, I took part. I voted for The Ballad of Buster Baxter, Faraway Friend, and Lend Me Your Ear. They usually do Arthur Marathons right before a new season starts. According to Google Play, Season 2 airs on May the 13th. So all of you Arthur heads who are in the know, make sure that you uh, mark May 13 on your calendar. Is May 13 a Friday? Well, could you could you imagine? It's a Monday, actually. So boo, boo, even worse. <laughs> Our next one is called NHL draft picks and bagels. 
from Christine. Hello, Will and Lucas. I just finished the episode where you discussed the episode with Michelle Kwan and Arthur's babysitter. Not to be stereotypical, but I also went to high school with a guy who ended up as the NHL's first overall draft pick. Of course, as with most number one draft picks in the 2010s, he ended up on the Edmonton Oilers. So unlike Nathan McKinnon, he will not be in the playoffs. Outside of the hockey world, no one famous went to my school. The next closest person we have to a celebrity would be the local meteorologist. Well, they can't all be winners, I guess. Also, since the two of you had such a lively discussion about bagels, I thought I would inform you of a new craze that was sweeping the nation during the end of March, bread-sliced bagels. Lucas, have you seen this? Uh, I don't think I have. So instead of slicing a bagel down, you know, with two you know, like you you get two halves. Instead, you're slicing it like a loaf of bread, so you get like these vertically sectioned slices of bagel. Oh, they're like dippable. Interesting. Hmm. What mm. are your What are your thoughts? Personally, I like the concept since there's more surface area for cream cheese and other toppings. However, just looking at that picture feels wrong. I mean, I I could I could get with this, like the idea of like. You know, I got something like a boursin or mm. or spread some brie up on there. Yeah, I think I'm pro bread slice bagel. The name could use a little work, but... Yes. I'm willing to give it a try. I think that there could be something here. Um, the optics of it are very strange to me, but that's okay. I mean, it just because it's different doesn't mean that it's, <coughs> excuse me, not as good. Uh, thank you for letting us know about this, Christine. I'm glad that this bagel discourse, as you said... Um, Touch so many people. Congrats, Will, on your upcoming wedding. And best of luck, Lucas, on your studies. And finally, we have an email from a new patron, Kaylin. Bonjour, Will and Lucas. Elwood City Limits is Sonic Gold. Well, that's a new one. We're going to have to put that on uh, on an ad or something. Uh, I discovered it several months ago, started listening from the beginning, currently on episode 68, so you've still got a few to go, but that's pretty good. Admittedly, I'm bad at sticking with podcasts I enjoy, but yours has been the exception. I joined Patreon for the sole purpose of supporting ECL. Thank you very much. As a 28-year-old Arthur fan, it resonates with me on so many levels. It's comforting to know I wasn't alone in loving the show. One of my earliest memories of social anxiety was when I took my new DW umbrella to school in third grade. Suddenly, I felt deeply self-conscious and feared someone would make fun of me for liking a baby show. Now, IDGAF and wish I had more Arthur swag. Me, too. Your milk bag discussions, remember those, brought back fond memories of my first exposure to milk bags. Here's a milk bag prank story. Okay, I'm buck, I'm locked in, baby. Background. I had a dorm overnight reception job back when I was at university. It was sweet because I basically got paid to study and watch YouTube. That is a dream. The basic job duties were scanning resident IDs and checking in their guests for security. Supervisors had to make rounds to check for propped side doors, stop people sneaking in, and other shenanigans. On duty, they had keys to many locked areas of the building. I was promoted and had to shadow an experienced supervisor. While training me, he showed me how you could open the front of the milk machines in the dorm cafeteria. Inside, there were big milk bags with thick tubing to dispense the milk. He clamped the tubing using the prongs of a fork, so in the morning, the cafeteria workers would be confused why no milk was coming out. Apparently, he did this prank very often. It was funny, sure, but I realized looking back how immature it was for someone in their mid-twenties to be doing that. How antithetical to the job description. Also, how did he not get caught? I guess I thought it was charming at the time because I ended up dating this milk bag prankster Whoa, for over a year. Whoa, twist. Wow. Well, Kaylin, that's that's a that's a story. That's like a it's like a tree branch. It just leads to more and more stories. I hope I you like- enjoy these anecdotes. Sorry, the email is long. Feel free to share a portion. Uh, my last name is said Krogel. Krogel, if you're curious. Sorry if I got it wrong earlier. Kaylin, and thank you for your email. And it seems that uh, people are still discovering our thoughts on milk bags. Really buried the lead on that one. I appreciate being left in suspense until the mm. end. Always always a good roller coaster ride. Thank you, everybody, for your emails over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Okay, no more fussing around. Let's get into it. It's the final episode of Arthur Season 6. It's a door closing on a lot of chapters here in Arthur. And, uh, well, we actually get a little bit of a throwback here in the cold open for Arthur Loses His Marbles. We're talking about, once again, 
how how gosh darn great Grandma Thora is. Yeah, that's right. My grandma's so great. She loves gambling. <laughs> um, it's yeah, very much, very much kind of a grandma thing to be uh, to be that into bingo. We also get some season one footage of Arthur with the chicken pox and Grandma Thora giving him a back rub. That was it's always interesting to see the comparison between the animation of quote unquote today, like season six, and then six years earlier in the debut episode of Arthur. I mean, I don't want to uh, cast any dispersions, but I will say I kind of liked how it looked in the old one a little bit more. There's a there's a definite a je ne sais quoi to the style that really helps. Uh, I I just makes feel it stand, as if makes it pop. The further we're gonna go uh, from season one, the less hand drawn everything's gonna look, and that's what makes I understand why. But it's still when you you put them in stark contrast like that, it's like oh yeah oh. Mm. Uh, so Grandma Thora repairing uh, DW's Mary Moo Cow, giving Arthur a back rub, and then also being there for DW for uh, emotional support with a new sock puppet friend. And I wonder if this is the throwaway character of the week, Stinky McTavish. Now, Stinky McTavish technically isn't his own character because he is um, partly Grandma Thora. Mm-hmm. Very uh, true. Very true. And I'm trying to think if there was any other throwaway characters of the week. I mean, if I don't give it to Sticky McTavish, I'd probably give it to one of the the Mighty Mountain baseball players because they, they we get some <laughs> great looks from them later on in the in the other episode. Uh, but I think Sticky McTavish does have a line, which most of the throwaway characters of the week have had thus far. So I guess he takes it. For any of you who are keeping up on the Elwood City Limits Wikia that doesn't exist, <laughs> uh, well, Stinky McTavish is our throwaway character of the week this week. You, well, you never, well, you never know. Hey, somebody might be uh, sitting on an Elwood City Limits TV Tropes page as we speak. Exactly. Uh, yes, uh, it's a Scottish puppet complete with, like, tam shanter and everything, of uh, consoling DW because she's complaining that Arthur gets more pudding than her. And Grandma Thor goes, I, Stanky McTavish, knows how you feel. Life is so unfair. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Uh, so, yeah, just kind of talking about how great Grandma Thora is and every and the kids really love her. But uh, there's one thing that Arthur uh, apparently never thought that he'd be facing off with his grandma. And we'll get more context as we go into the show here. It actually starts off... With Muffy, she's uh, got it's, some... It starts off with the Flex Corner. Welcome <laughs> to the Flex Zone. Flex Zone. Flex Zone. They know better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Muffy is out here flexing. Uh, straight Hardcore. flexing. Hardcore. Uh, just talking about all the stuff she has. Uh, she's got a rare... She's got Stinkachu. A rare... She, what is so, their name for their off-brand so, Pokemon? So, so in the Arthur universe, they're called Dopeymon. Dopeymon. So it's kind of which, like a, an amalgamation of uh, Garbage Pail Kids and Pokemon. Which it's is like, like it's Pikachu like a, gross. Yeah, it's like a sub-Mad Magazine parody of Pokemon, but it's only meant to be a throwaway line, so I can't be too mad at it. Yes, and Stinkachu with all the, the, the stink lines and everything. Uh, Muffy also got like a, pol- a polylocket convertible and an anima- a little animatronic opera singer. That kind of walks around and sings in Italian. Sorry, also- well, uh, before we move on from Sigachu, I, I yes. did have to ask about, uh, did you see the new Detective Pikachu uh, video, uh, like the, the casting video that came out uh, no, seven no, hours I, ago? No, I didn't. Uh, they interview, If you, this is the most up close and personal we've seen from the Detective Pikachu gang. Um, they like they they made fake casting videos with the horrible pe- the horrible looking Pokemon. Uh, so if you really want to get a close look right now, uh, it's the the oh my god, this looks amazing. Uh, uh, yeah. So I just that's your Detective Pikachu update. We're getting close to the release day, by the way. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna have to seek that video out because, of course, as our patrons know, you and I are honor bound. To make a podcast about Detective Pikachu. We're honor bound to see it and talk about it. May 10th. Oh, my God. Oh, that's like practically right after I get back from vacation. We're going to be hitting season seven hard. It's going to be it's going to be a hell of a time. Uh, One of the other toys that Arthur kind of finds in this bag that Muffy has is actually a bag of marbles. 
and Arthur is entranced by them, uh, seemingly never having handled marbles in his life. And, uh, or, and or seen of them or heard of them. Yeah, really. It reminded me, I did have a small marble collection when I was a child, but I never really ever played the marble game that we see here. Interesting. Arthur, Arthur and Buster become kind of enamored with the marbles and end up getting their own and learn how to play, which is the, you know, the thing where there's a marble ring, essentially, and you try to knock them out. So at my elementary school, there was a marble era. I don't remember exactly when it was. It was sometime after, it was post-Beyblade. I'm not sure if it was pre-Yu-Gi-Oh! or Mighty Beans, but there was a summer where, like, marbles was the thing, and we literally played marbles just as it is in this show, where, like, people would draw a circle in the dirt and all that jazz. How was it as, as a game? How was it? I, th- I remember having a lot of fun with the, the Marble Days. I mean, people didn't just use small ones like they do in this show. Like, people, that was the big gimmicky thing was people had big-ass marbles, like mm-hmm. a marble the size of, like, a gobstopper. Mm-hmm. Um, so almost bowling ball-sized uh, marbles. Uh, but but uh, I remember, like, the Marble Summer being pretty fun. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, ne- I never really uh, never really caught on with me. But, uh, you know, they were at least, you know, a little bobble that a lot of kids... I, I feel kind of had even if they didn't never really use them so yeah Arthur and Buster are kind of effing around with their marbles can't really figure out exactly how to fire them or how to make them go actually Buster again because Arthur kind of sucks at everything um, uh, beats Arthur handily and leaves him with just one last marble cleans him out Arthur and DW are having dinner at Grandma Thor's place and normally this is the opportunity where you know I go to Lucas and I say, hey, Lucas, would you eat this, like, wild and weird food concoction? But, well, actually, Grandma Thora is making something called tuna roni, and I'll beat you to the punch here. Sign me up for tuna roni. Oh, really? I'm surprised. I mean, you were barely sold on the sliced bagels. I'm shocked that you're tuna roni. I'm, I'm, I'm not against the sliced bagels. I'm, the fact I'm... that we even have to consider you not eating the slice of bagels though is what i'm talking about like okay. usually right. usually we got to sell you tunaroni is a real thing by the way i'm looking at a recipe right now for tunaroni salad well and it, essentially it sounds like uh tuna helper like i i've had my fair share of tuna helper in my day that's that stuff's good i mean it's funny that you mentioned this because i was explaining to my classmates today that a, a good life hack that was taught to me by a friend of mine is that if you want to really boost up a, a box of kd uh mm-hmm. just put some canned tuna up in that that sucker and uh yeah. that's that's a good scene right there oh see i'm having kd tomorrow and i wish i had a can of tuna that sounds actually great uh, so yeah, they're having tuna roni, which sounds awesome. Grandma Thora notices that Arthur is playing with one of his marbles, and it turns out that she used to be quite the marble player back in the day. Like that used to be her thing for a little while. Yeah, she went to a tournament in New Jersey. New Jersey. Uh, I wonder. I, I I have the note here. Of course, New Jersey has a marble championship. But I, I know it's it's so like like I can see like I for some reason I thought about like regional like magic the gathering tournaments and like that just like new jersey also seems like prime like <laughs> it's it just seems off the beaten path enough um yeah and it turn and grandma thora kind of is telling the tales of just like oh this one i won from this person but there's one uh name that kind of caught my eye and i'll mention that the writer of this episode his name is nick raposo and i remember that because uh, Grandma Thora says she's won. She won one of her prize marbles from the great Lefty Raposo. Oh, that's a good catch. So yeah, um, Grandma kind of gifts Arthur her collection of marbles so that he can play with the rest of his friends. But now marbles have begun to catch on with the rest of the uh, Elwood City crew. But Arthur's still not very good at it. So when he's playing at the playground against Francine the next day, Grandma Thora ends up stepping in for him and, and doing some some like wild, advanced marble tech and saving the day. Yeah, she's got she's got those she's like got marble god mode turned on. She's clipping through the environment, you know what I mean? Like she's definitely gonna get banned if 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 the marble servers got vac installed, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Grandma Thora's got the hitbox installed. She's 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 uh the the hit scan, the hits the 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 auto click. 
She's like one of these like Chinese PUBG players that like is just like yeah. you see your death cam and you're getting shot from across the map and you're like I don't know if this is on the up and up. <laughs> I'm glad you took that because uh, I'm glad you took that those jokes because uh, the most I could do is like I guess Grandma Thora's got the game shark. Oh. I'm old. <laughs> I also liked here at the end of the game, uh, Arthur's like, "Look at all the marbles we won," and then Grandma Thora says, "Oh no, Arthur, that we don't play for keepsies." For keepsies, she says. Um, Serious players only play for fair, which I appreciate because when I was a kid and and now, playing for keeps seems really not very fun, and it also seems like a great way to ensure only a few people get to play. Like, it seems like that would be, whether we're talking about Crazy Bones or Pogs or something, where it was like, well, Pogs, Pogs, you gotta play for keeps. If you're playing Pogs for fun, like, at least Marbles is kind of fun by itself. Pogs is, like, barely a game. So, like, I feel like Pogs is similar to, like, the slots in that the only reason it's fun (laughs) is that you stand to lose or gain something. Like, the actual act of playing Pogs sucks. So, like, the (laughs) fact that, like, I could win a cool little disc with, like, Sub-Zero on the front is, like, literally the only thing that makes it interesting whatsoever. Whereas, like... Marbles is a little bit skills based. Where yes. like Pogs literally is just like a, a game again, of chance. Yeah, uh, a pretty much a game of essentially a game of chance. So the fact that it's like, oh, I might, uh, I might win a little disc with Mac tonight on the front, um, <laughs> is like the only thing that makes it somewhat interesting. <laughs> uh, that's totally fair. Uh, that's a good point. I I think in mo- in most let's say skill based, I I guess I mean is that playing for keeps. Eventually, you get the same people who have like all of your stuff if you're not very good. So. I don't. I don't find it particularly enthralling. Um, you, you learned from uh, Fast and the Furious One when they play for pinkies, and you know, loser loses their car. You lose your pink slip. No, oh, man, I can't. I can't. I can't risk that. Um, speaking of, I I apologize in advance. Speaking of pogs, uh, did you have any? Uh, did you have any cool ones? I actually, believe it or not, I, pogs are a little before my time. I only know okay. about pogs because I'm like a weirdo and I look up these things up. But I actually <laughs> don't know that much about pogs. Uh, what about st- yourself? Were you a pog, I, big bo- pog guy? I still have my tube of pogs somewhere. Ooh. I think. What was your and slammer? It's, it's brand. It's branded with a 1993 era YTV sticker. No. My slammer was was a Batman Forever Gold slammer. Nice. It's pretty sweet. I've got like I'm pretty proud of the pogs that I have. I really hope I didn't give them away. I think they're somewhere in my closet. I should dig them up and maybe take a picture or something. Uh, kids, if you don't know what pogs are, don't ask your parents. You don't need to know. Uh, so Arthur uh, plays this game and then he wants to get better. So he's uh, gonna be taking on uh, Grandma Thora as his teacher. And it was at this point in the episode I was like, okay. We've gotten some weird concepts before, but I wonder who exactly had the idea of Grandma Thora secret marble expert. I know. It's a little Cuz we get cuz we get some like we get some actual like terms here. There's a point where like um, you know, Grandma Thora calls the one the marble you shoot with it's called your shooter or the taw. So like we're getting into like real marble tech here. At, at one point she's like nice English on that taw. And I'm like, "Okay, this is for the the five kids who love marbles, who love New Jersey level marbles. I mean, it 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 must just be because like marbles are one of the only things that would have, you know, they're so old that um, they it stand might the test be the, of time. Yeah, it might be the only game that like would resonate both in uh, Arthur's grandma's time and his time. Fair enough. We do get a we do get a little dream sequence here where Grandma Thor is essentially Yoda as uh, Arthur kind of uses his marble as a as kind of a light against evil marbles or something like that. So, oh, so well, I have a good news. There is a uh, sorry to interrupt your the Star Wars uh, dream no, sequence, but no, please do. There is a section on Wikipedia called a marble terminology. Oh, uh, so uh, I don't see the ta here, but. We have oh no that's types of marble okay okay knuckle down quitsies keepsies elephant stomps bombs <laughs> bombies leaning tops oh a taw or a shooter uh and then we have types of marbles there's an Aggie 
an aid, a cat's eye, a beach ball, a devil's eye, a, a clam broth, a lutz, an ollie. Yeah. yeah, I've got it here. A bamboozler, a godfather. You asked do- me on this day of my daughter's wedding, you want to play for keepsies. <laughs> That's How it. How dare you? How, da- How dare you? How from dare one you from one movie parody to another. So yeah, Arthur. This is something I did not expect to see in this episode. Was uh, Arthur doing the like the cave scene from Empire? Yeah, I I know exactly. They so they do a bunch of training. Grandma Thora puts him through a few drills, including uh, waxing the floor. Very Karate Kid. Um, and then they decide to do a an Elwood City a marbles tournament to determine the champion because they can't uh, all, all go to New Jersey and they're concocting an ice cream, uh, a giant ice cream sundae as the grand prize. And Arthur's training seems to be paying off. He seems to be doing pretty darn well in this tournament. Uh, but then it turns out that Arthur will be facing at the end of the tournament, Grandma Thora, secret entrant, Grandma Thora. So it's all com- it's all coming together. By God, by God, that's Grandma Thor's music. <laughs> this is now a no disqualification marbles match. Since when? Since when? <laughs> You're gonna be in a tag team match with the Undertaker against oh. Randy Orton. Randy Orton. What is? What was? Uh, God. What was Teddy Long's thing? He was like. What would he call people? What was his catchphrase? Playa. Playa, yeah, playa. You're gonna be in a tag team match, playa. Um, so Arthur is immediately shook. Like he is Grandma Thora is icing him hard and she's just like, I've taught you everything that you know, but not everything that I know. She's speaking of flexing, it runs in the family here. Uh Grandma Thora is straight up like letting him know what the business is, and Arthur can't get out of his own head. In fact, his fear of Grandma Thora as a marble player extends to his dreams is a dream here where he's the size of a marble and grandma thor is basically (laughs) trying to kill him it's pretty intense there's like a couple like really like i feel like we're getting back into the swing of like the really bizarre dream sequences lately this one is nuts um we even get like talking ants we get like it reminded me of of a bug's life yeah bug's life or ants yeah Either one. Yeah, talking ants that are wheeling away a blueberry and then almost get squashed by Grandma Thora's marble. And, uh, yeah, giant Grandma Thora pretty much kills Arthur. But thankfully he wakes up. So he he didn't die in the dream. So he didn't die for real. Actually, now that I think about it, this is one of two dream sequences in these sets of episodes where the protagonist dies. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I know know exactly what you mean. We're going to get to that in in the next story here. Yeah, you're right. There's a, a weird theme of uh, child death in these. It's like it's like the new It movie or something. Um, so Arthur decides that kind of off screen, he eventually tells Buster, like, I've decided that I'm not that I'm going to lose on purpose. Yeah, he's going to take uh, the fall. Pride only hurts. It never helps. Mm-hmm. So in order to save Graham, save Grandma Thora any heartache, but it also to kind of save himself because he doesn't want the embarrassment of being beaten by his grandmother. So essentially, he just kind of does the finger poke of doom, the the marble version, and kind of just does all these whack shots. But Grandma Thora sees through this pretty easily and then accidentally steps her foot inside the ring, which is immediate disqualification. And that means that Arthur wins the tournament, which um, this feeds into the end of the episode. Um I, it's it's just like if you think about it, Grandma Thor winning. I mean, Arthur did say he would be embarrassed if his friends saw him lo- lose. But also, if Grandma Thora won, like she ain't eating all that ice cream by herself. You're gonna get some of that. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even consider that. Like, just come, like, come on. You, like, maybe he might have to share it with DW or something. But like, that's gonna be mostly yours, dude. He, I mean, he does get it all. This is fair. smart. I. I- I didn't even. This did not even cross my mind. But you're doing some good game theory here, Will. <laughs> the it, it it would have been better just to have some collusion with Grandma Thora, and even if she wins, you get some of the prize. It's true. It's true. This this whole thing is rigged. It's it's just it's like uh it's like McMahon Helmsley. It's all rotten from the top to the bottom. The the fix is in here, and and also you have this marbles tournament ending in uh just like 
boring minutes of play where Arthur is missing shots, and then it ends in a disqualification. This it's the, what the what a crappy game of marbles. <laughs> yeah, it's a real screw screw job finish. Yeah, and then and then essentially the episode ends with them in the ice cream shop. And, you know, kind of with the lesson of wouldn't you rather have won a good game than lo- or lost a good game than won a bad one? And then Arthur's like, yeah, I guess. But I could have had you here and here. So they've got, you know, something else to bond over, I suppose, with marbles. And he's using uh, there's a lot of spherical candy on the Sunday. So he's kind of using it to outline it. And, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's where we end off. But but hey, that's just a theory. An Arthur theory. Boo, 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 boo. Uh, <coughs> okay, I made myself cough there. I deserved it. Okay, so that's one half of this Arthur episode over. Before we get to the second half, we'll be right back. And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and an Instagram, at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, send us an email and get it read on the show at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show. And back... One one of these days, when we come out of the we'll be right back break, I want us to be, like, in mid-sentence. Like, I'll be telling, like, a hilarious story... And the listeners will just have to use their imaginations to think what I was talking about in the first place. Do it. Do you want to try? like? I'll be. I'll, I'll be like. Oh no! This is all staying in. Do not remove any of this from the podcast. Uh, I'll be like, uh, and that's when I told it. Like something like that. But alas, that's not this time. Will. What episode are we talking about today? <laughs> Man, you're bra- you're breaking the, you're breaking this whole you're, this whole medium apart. Like you're Eric Andre. You're just. Point, just pointing out the foibles of everything. Yes, this is Friday the 13th. It's the final story of Arthur Season 6. And it begins in a spooky fashion as Brain finds himself going to a dilapidated, haunted-seeming house. But it's actually to watch a movie with his friends. I know what you did last Wednesday. I feel like uh, staying in a dilapidated uh, scary spooky house is romanticized in children's programming because in real life there would just be like vagrants and uh, uh, squatters uh, so it actually is pretty dangerous to stay in an abandoned house as a child because there's just like you know there's just I, I feel like you need some adult supervision to be doing that uh, but like in kids shows, it's just like, yeah, we're going to like stay over at this haunted house overnight. Like all years of Scooby-Doo and, and are you afraid of the dark have kind of programmed us to be like, yeah, this is like a thing that happens, but it doesn't really. No, <laughs> no I can't imagine it. The urine smell alone in that place must be unbearable. Um, so yeah, everybody is watching. I know what you did last Wednesday, the sequel to, I know what you did last Tuesday. And boy, if Brain isn't being a capital D drip here. You know, the the one friend that you have where it's like, I know it's going to happen. This is going to happen because it happens in every horror movie. Like, shut up. Why did we invite he's like, you? He's like the guy from Scary Movie, uh, not Scary Movie, uh, Scream 1. Oh, uh, 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 oh my God. I just watched those recently. Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I watched, all, I watched all the Scream movies with Jenna. It was fun. Uh... Most, uh, you know, the, the the first one's really good, and then the others, eh, but they're fun. Scream, hey, they're fun. Scream 2's, they're fun. Scream, Scream 2's got its moments. There's yes. that seat at the, the recording booth or whatever. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, Brain is just like, eh, this is going to happen, and every, everybody hates it. There is a great thing here where, like, the woman in the movie gets surprised by, like, a falling coat, and the faraway angle just makes it seem really funny. And then she turns around, and there is a ghost of a rat with, like, uh, like a... A, some sort of scientist rat with a big, huge drill. And my favorite part of this, and I still think about this today, the ghost, all it says is rats. 
and I don't know why. If I was like people, (laughs) humans, humans. Yeah, it's I I don't know, but I I I just liked how brief and off the wall that was. Um, I like how so Brain turns a corner in this mansion, and like all of a sudden he's like in this like amnesia, dark descent looking like the he like turns the corner from this room that looks like a typical like Victorian style like yeah like old house room, and all of a sudden he's in like a a like Poe esque dungeon. Like some sort of wine cellar or something with torches on the walls. Uh, yeah, it's kind of meant to look like the movie a little bit. Uh, and then he kind of he's trying to find something to turn the power back on. And then he opens a door and he gets spooked, and we never see what it is. It kind of doesn't lead into anything in the show. Like it's just kind of its own thing. The episode itself starts with everybody playing baseball, and it is Lakewood Elementary versus Mighty Mountain. Um, and everybody's yelling at Brain to spit on the bat, especially Buster. And then he, and then Brain just like, why? It's not hygienic. And I I, I wrote this note down early because I could see where this episode was going. Like we have Buster yelling out this like admittedly nonsensical advice of like you know superstitions and to ward off bad luck and everything. And then we have Brain literally like putting the bat down and being like, well, um, actually, that's not hygienic. Can we not get like a middle ground between superstition and Neil deGrasse Tyson here? Like it's it it it, it was already getting to me in this episode. Well, at some point Brain says the spitting's not hygienic. And I is that true? I thought it was just rude. But he says, like, spitting can spread diseases. I mean, like, if you spit into someone's open wound, maybe. But, like, spitting on the bat, like, I mean, if, I don't know. I mean, if you yourself have a, have a disease, I wouldn't recommend spitting on things. But, you know, yeah, no, it's like, ugh. Um, by, by the way, uh, are you superstitious at all? Um, I mean, like, do I know, like, I, I, I ostensibly, I, I know that, like, okay. The human brain is inherently bad at probability. It's why we do things like gamble. Yeah, is because uh, where it's it's hard. It's inherently hard for humans to conceptualize things like probability. And there's like the the allegory of like a hundred doors or whatever that explains that. Um, so I understand that none of that stuff's real, actually. But are you gonna? Am I gonna sit here and tell you, Will? That when I'm adjusting the volume on my television and the perfect volume level is at 13, I still don't put it to 14 or 12 just because I don't like it sitting at 13. No, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, Will. I definitely do that still. And also, uh, I think whenever I experience deja vu, I always try and say the word deja vu out loud. What else do I do that's pretty superstitious? Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's pretty much don't leave the volume level at 13 and say deja vu out loud. Yeah, I have really weird superstitions, too. It's mainly like... I'll, I, I'll knock on wood from time to time. Oh, yeah, I knock on wood all the time. And really, it's not even that like I genuinely believe in them. It's actually kind of an anxiety thing of just like I'm... A, like I just have this irrational fear that I have to do this. It might be coupled with OCD as well. Um, but yeah, it's like I just do the weirdest things. Like I have this thing. I forget exactly how this started. But in the last few years, like, do you know that uh, that poem about like uh, when you see a flock of crows and however many there are means something? Uh, no, one, one for but... sorrow, one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl and four for a boy. Okay. There's an even lo- there's, it's it's even longer than that, but that's the one that I kind of remember. And now whenever I see just a single crow, like I have to immediately dispel whatever bad luck it might be bringing, so I just give it the middle finger. Oh my goodness gracious. I don't know how that started and I'm really trying to wean myself off of it cuz it's completely irrational. But I I do stuff like that all the time. I'm not exactly it's not exactly um empowering to admit it, but uh well, it's I, I do it too, and I guess that is maybe within our nature to a degree, like you said. So everybody is talking about uh, uh, Lakewood loses the baseball game because apparently Brain didn't spit on the bat, but uh, everybody's kind of saying that, you know, oh, we got bad luck or Money Mountain's luck was better than ours, and Brain's getting real mad. He's just like, luck, bad luck isn't real. So he's uh, determined to prove, 
Like we see examples. This isn't late- the first time, but um, this part kind of reminded me, and this is the second time I've done this, believe it or not, but it kind of reminded me of something in the Silver Linings playbook. I think I've compared Arthur to the Silver Linings playbook before. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But there's the whole there's that whole pl- uh, subplot in the Silver Linings playbook about like Robert De Niro's character is like hyper superstitious yes. when it comes to like sporting events. And he has a very specific routine of like what side of the couch the remote has to be on and, and, and all that kind of stuff stuff so that kind of reminded me of that yeah and that's and it's like hinted that that's where bradley cooper's character's history of like ocd and all that kind of stuff comes from is that his dad kind of low-key has obsessive compulsive disorder but that's just not never what it was classified as uh i like that movie um yes exactly we see buster like engaging like kind of pointing out bad luck scenarios to brain and brain just trying to refute them like buster doesn't want to cross the path of a black cat he's not stepping on a crack he uh, notices that Mr. Ratburn doesn't walk under a ladder and brain is just having none of it. It's really, really just getting his goat here. So he decides to set up a science experiment where he subjects himself to various forms of bad luck, such as it's at, it's at this point where I realized brain would probably be pretty big on YouTube. I could see the thumbnail now, like Ugh. brain in like a lab coat making like a big silly face. And it's like scientists debunks bad luck. It's like on the tier of like you know those YouTube videos that always come up in your rea- uh, reflective scene. Uh, uh, Recommend- oh re- recommended. You're recommended. I'm I'm so upset I can't even talk. <laughs> um, those YouTube videos that come up in your recommended feed that are like a uh, lawyer points out all the inaccuracies in movies. And I'm like, yeah, obviously it's a movie. Yeah. If it was like a a hundred percent accurate to how being a lawyer would be, it would be like an instructional video on how to be a lawyer, thus being extremely boring. And I wouldn't want to watch it. The reason it takes liberties with the actual, like, I don't think it's cool to figure out that a movie didn't do the lawyer stuff properly. I think it's actually like, like, it's just like, who cares? And so there's a million videos like that in, on YouTube where it's like, firefighter breaks down the firefighting scenes in movies. Uh, but I could definitely see there would be like, I could definitely see a video where Braid's like, this is why bad luck actually doesn't exist, popping up in my YouTube feed. And these and these videos are like 20 minutes long or longer. It's like excessive. Like, who cares? The, the like, only one I like is the one where it's the guy who free climbed the, like, that, that guy, the, the movie won an Oscar. I forget what it was yeah, called. Yeah, the, the documentary about like free about free rock climbing or whatever it is. Yeah, they got that guy. GQ did a video with that guy where he breaks down all the rock climbing scenes in movies, mm. and that video is actually pretty sweet because that dude like gets really excited about like mm-hmm. he, like w- when they're watching Cliffhanger, he's like, "This is ridiculous," but he's like got a big smile on his face. So I, it, it's not just one of the like the lawyer ones are like unwatchably bad because the guy's like, "Oh, this is so wrong," like he's incensed, and I'm like, "Well, dude, it's like a." movie or show but the one with the rock climbing guy it's like very fun because he's like pretty fun he loves the rock climbing scene from oh which star trek is it uh, oh uh, uh star trek uh five yeah yeah he's like all oh, this is pretty accurate like this is pretty <laughs> good free climbing stuff uh yeah my favorite of that genre is uh technique critique which i believe vanity fair does and it's just like uh talking about different accents and stuff like that it's kind of similar ish but i know i know exactly what you mean so yeah brain uh you know uh dances on a crack which they say breaks your mother's back he walks under a ladder and then finally he smashes a mirror uh apparently guaranteeing him seven years of bad luck and here we begin a kind of a long sequence where Brain does have a series of misfortunes. He gets rain. I, I also, at this moment, I had an epiphany that, like, literally, call me foolish, but this had never dawned on me before, that most of these bad luck things are just invented so, like, kids wouldn't get themselves into trouble. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, breaking beers is actually really fun, and the reason they tell you it's seven <laughs> years bad luck is that it'd be pretty dangerous if, if kids were breaking beers all the time. Same with, like, stepping on a crack. Like, if you're purposely stepping on cracks, you're probably going to trip and hurt yourself. Or, like, I'm sure the black cat one comes from, like, if you just started, like, touching and petting, like, a random cat, like, off the street back in the day. It probably, like, had, like, fleas or diseases or something like that. So, I, I again, this literally never occurred to me until tonight that all of these are just kind of made up to keep kids out of trouble as opposed to, like, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking before, but I was like, oh yeah, breaking mirrors is so fun. And there's a reason they make it so we can't do it. It's so you're saying that, so you're saying that bad luck is essentially child propaganda. 
yeah, it's it's the, like in the village when they tell them they can't go in the woods because yes. the monster will get them, but they just don't want them. Oh, spoilers for the village. Uh, <laughs> they don't. J- they just don't want them coming to see the real world. Exactly. Interesting. I like that take. I never really thought of that before. Uh, there's a series of misfortunes like uh, Binky comes over uh, to get brains answers uh, for like a math quiz or some math problems or something like that by the way i got these math problems lickety split so i am smarter than i'm as smart as a third grader it's nice to know uh brain discovers he left his backpack at school with his homework uh his the the roof starts to leak so he can't sleep in his bed he oversleeps um we get a moment here where you know he's going to school with like his shirt untucked and like just disheveled and he accidentally leaves his bike in the garage like where like right under his dad's car and his dad just drives over his bike and just leaves it's cold <laughs> yeah like he would have felt that butt, but he's like whatever i gotta get to work yeah just like serves him right <laughs> it's it's so cold uh he he falls into a mud puddle and uh, then a dog literally eats his homework and he has to go to go to school and admit that. And everybody's like, well, that's what you get for having bad luck, I guess. And so this is causing Brain to somewhat put more faith in the idea that bad luck might be real. And he thinks about what would what will happen if he indeed gave himself seven years of bad luck. You mentioned this earlier. This is a quick little sequence where Brain is imagining himself with, like, the worst luck on the planet. Like, a dog bites his leg. Uh, he's got his own personal rain cloud. A frisbee hits him in the back of the head, and then he yells to the heavens. He says, "Science, why have you forsaken me?" Before the ground opens up, and he like falls to his death. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I wrote down um, in this imagination sequence, Braid is essentially so unlucky that he dies. Yeah, <laughs> that he, he like he's he's so unlucky. He was walking around along a fault line, and the ground opens up. Yeah, and, like what a way to go. Yeah, exactly. He's just like my luck could get so bad I could die. I've got to do something about this. He doesn't actually say that, but that's that's the implication. Where do you think? You know, it's like it's like at the end of uh, Indiana Jones: and The Last Crusade. He just goes in that foggy pit. Oh, oh, you know, you know what? I just realized something. Yeah, I think so. Right at about twenty minutes into the episode, I think we have an Arthur meme alert here. Whoa! Um, eh, been a while since we've seen one of these. Yeah, eh, Arthur meme alert. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put the thing in there. Um, yeah, it's Brain uh, putting his finger to his chin and kind of stroke it and like kind of thinking. I've definitely seen that before and just like, uh, um, just like you know, try when when Bay says she's five minutes away, but then it's 15 minutes later and stuff like that or what or whatever. Just like doubting Brain, let's say. So Brain goes to apparently the expert in good luck, which I guess kind of makes sense given his character Buster. Uh, who apparently has a closet full of lucky things that he lends Brain, including um, he's got a bunch of salt packets to throw over his shoulder. He's got several, and I mean several, pairs of horseshoes to give him. And then finally, Buster. Uh, yeah, Buster's and he up offers up. He offers up. He's like these two Clydesdale. What is it? It's a type of horse. Yeah, these two funny. Clydesdales ought to do the trick. A bunch of four-leaf clovers as well. So he gives them to an all him in a gym bag, and Brain takes that home. But when he gets home, he finds that the good luck charms didn't work because his mother threw her back out at the gym. And because he stepped on the crack, that must be why. I will also mention here when Buster is in his room giving out all this good luck stuff, there's a brief shot where you can actually see in the background he's standing in DW's preschool class. Whoops. Whoa, really? Yeah. It's a kind of an eagle-eyed thing. Uh, oh, my goodness but, gracious. But I'm definitely used to that, like, the way that that looks. So... Um, they have, Do you a ba- have the timestamp. I got to see this. this sure. Let me, uh, let me dig it out here. It's going to be like 21 minutes in. When, All right. I'm about yeah. To it's it's pretty minutes. much exactly 21 minutes in. Okay. I, I can't wait to see this. It's when he's dumping out. He's making it rain four leaf clovers. Yeah. He's, and then, he, and then he has a lucky hat on. He's got the lucky hat on. Uh, so the next day, I'll just while you get to this, Lucas. The next day, they have another baseball game with Mighty Mountain. Brain is faking sick because he doesn't he doesn't even want to go outside that day, so he can just protect himself and the people he knows from his bad luck. Oh my God, that's crazy! Look at this. Yeah, good. I will. That's nuts. Uh, and of course, Francine is 
they of course brain is the secret ingredient that they need for that day and francine is very very upset so she calls brain in his house he admits that he's faking sick and uh that he can't risk the bad luck but then uh he (laughs) he gets a paper cut while reading at home and he just decides that if he's gonna have bad luck he might as well just go to the game and play but then uh and he and he does bring the duffel bag full of uh lucky stuff with him and so he hits uh what ends up being a home run and El- uh, Lake Lakewood Elementary wins the game against Mighty Mountain and this is where the episode wraps up actually as everybody's kind of talking about how brain's luck turned around and he opens up the duffel bag and it turns out it's actually his mom's gym clothing and that the good luck stuff didn't actually help he didn't actually need its help to which Buster counters, all you've proven is that this is the luckiest gym bag in the world. And then Brain's friends just start pilfering his mom's clothing. It's really strange. It's yeah, like, don't I steal his I, mom's I, clothes. I didn't think about this until you pointed it out. Uh, I was too busy laughing at the line. The only thing you've proved is that these are the luckiest gym clothes in the world. But you're right. Like They literally like... It's like a scene in a movie where like uh, uh, like a celebrity like throws their shirt and everybody fights over it. They're literally scrambling over uh, his mom's gym clothes with pretty much no mind being paid to like uh, these are actually like braids, mobs. Like gym clothes are kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're it's all kind sweat. of creepy They're that you're yeah. It, it's 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 kind of creepy and strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is weird. And then pretty much. Like, the final line here from Brain is that, like, everybody walks away, like, fighting over the gym clothes. And then literally Brain just goes, if you can't beat him, join him. And hops over the cracks on the way to meet up with his friends. And just, like, oh, that that's really, that's really it, huh? Like, if you can't beat him, join him. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. All right. The final episode of Season 6, Lucas. Uh, let's get our thoughts out here. Uh, while the night is young, uh, uh, what did you think of Arthur loses his marbles? Arthur loses his marbles uh, is probably the fewest notes I've ever written down for an episode dude, of Elwood dude, City Limits. Dude, both of these episodes, my notes are the barest they've ever been. I, I have a grand total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight notes written. Uh, for Arthur loses his marbles, one of which is weird moral. Uh, <laughs> but like, um, I remember when I was a kid, I really liked this episode because I think I just inherently liked, I was a little kid, so I liked any of the episodes that are about collecting stuff or like fads. Like we talked about this in the Woozles episode. Um, so I kind of liked this one when I was a kid. I remember this one, but watching it as an adult, I'm like, eh, this not a lot to take in with this guy. And also I think narratively it's a little bit messy in that it's just kind of confusing. Um, it like what's like Arthur's grandma's motivation. What's Arthur's motivation. Like Arthur's anxious about losing to his grandma, but it doesn't really make any sense. And so then he like also just loses anyway on purpose. And, uh, and then in the end it's like, Oh, it's better to try and to have lost than to not try, which I guess is the, um, the moral, but it's all kind of just unclear and and not that interesting, personally. Yeah, I kind of agree. I will give them points for kind of doing something that's really off the wall when you think about it. It's like, like I said, like the idea of Grandma Thora is secretly amazing at marbles. I'm just like, yeah, and, and Arthur must defeat his own flesh and blood in a contest <laughs> of. Uh, again, though, like it sounds, it's one more of those things where it sounds a lot more interesting when we're describing it than actually watching the episode. Like, yeah, it really goes by super quick, and normally that's like uh, more of a compliment. But this is just like, oh, there's literally not that much to this episode at all. That's kind of strange. It's yeah, there's almost nothing to say about it. It did kind of give me a little bit of a fun flashback to like when playing with marbles was like the kid thing to do and maybe it still is to a degree you never know but yeah it's just kind of there's nothing really wrong with it it's just not super notable either it's just kind of nah like it's it's fine it's i again give it points for kind of an offbeat concept but not much more than that it's uh you know like I, i that's really pretty much all i have to say about it and when it comes to friday the 13th I'm kind of in the camp of I'm not really a huge fan of this. Um, Interesting. It's not 
awful or anything like that. I think we talked in like either last episode or the one before about an episode that we really both didn't like. This is not like super bad or anything, but it's also just. I mean, we're ta- we're talking about bad luck. I feel like that's kind of <laughs> a cartoon staple. Like the one of the protagonists like ends up getting bad luck, and they have to figure know, out if it's real or know, not. At points, it kind of reminded me of remember Chuck's new tux. From, uh, like from, when Bra- from, from what? From like Newgrounds. Like when Braid's walking down the street and like all the bad things are happening to him, it reminds me of the old uh, uh, Newgrounds flash Chuck's new tux where like it's like this kid. He's like, I hope nothing bad happens to my brand new tuxedo. Uh, and it's sort of like a parody of those kind of things where it's like all the, everything bad could conceivably happen. Yeah. Except it's a it's a bait and switch where like you think. He's, like, on a skateboard, and he's flying, and he's like, oh, no, and you think he's going to, like, fall into something and ruin his tux, but instead he's mortally wounded, <laughs> uh, and a classic Newgrounds misdirection humor, uh, but but it kind of reminded me, it's funny that you mentioned that it's, like, kind of a cartoon trope, bad luck, because it did remind me of that. Yeah, and of course, in order for this for this plot to go forward, you need to have Brain being super annoying about something, which is becoming very, very fast. One of my least favorite uh, kind of things about an episode is just like, oh, Brain has to like be super obstinate about something. Like, oh, that sucks. I don't like that. And then he has to like kind of be turned into a believer here, so we have to put him through a bunch of like miserable situations. And then at the end, it's like, We've neither proven that bad luck exists or doesn't exist, and Brain's just like, like pretty much just shrugs his shoulders and just like, eh, and just decides to forget about it. Like, okay, cool. So that felt like a bit of a waste of time. Um, there's there's some fun visuals in here. Like I said, I, I mean, maybe fun's the wrong word. Just Brain falling down the crevice was very strange. Um, the sheer amount of bad bad things that happened to him was like pretty. It ended up being kind of comical the way it just kind of piled on there. But in the end, this is in the category of Arthur loses his marbles of just like kind of a not really notable episode. And then just with the added on thing of like brain being annoying. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to revisit this anytime soon. It's interesting. I think this is the first time in a while that we've been kind of divergent on it. Cause I, uh, I kind of liked Friday the 13th. Now, uh, that being said, it might be because I'm definitely the type to when I watch an episode that I'm really not fond of, um, I'm going to give the next episode, if it's a little bit better, the benefit of the doubt. And that might be the case with, cause I really did like Arthur loses his marbles. Yeah. But for some reason I got a kick out of, I got a kick out of well actually brain this time, uh, with his like frustration at like everybody just wholeheartedly believing in bad luck, and then uh, uh, sort of him coming around and believing it himself when all this bad stuff was happening to him. And then I really liked the scene where, uh, like the the Buster became sort of brain sensei and was being like, oh, finally you've come to me, and I'm going to give you all this stuff to to dispel the bad luck. And then I also really kind of liked the ending too. This this odd ending in which, um. Braid ends up dispelling the bad luck after all and disproving it, but it's it's all for naught because the kids have already made up their mind and and uh, Buster's like, all you've proved is that these these gym clothes are lucky. And I thought it was kind of a nuanced Arthur ending in that like it, there's not really a moral to it, but I thought it was interesting to think about like yeah, if you're one of those people that believes in bad luck or good luck, there's literally nothing you could do to convince them otherwise because their confirmation bias will always. Uh, line up with sort of that worldview that like uh see i didn't use any of your trinkets and it's like well no what you did use was this lucky thing so i thought that was for me personally i kind of liked the the nuance in that ending and, and sort of brain just accepting it and being like well i might as well just play along um, and again, I, I did kind of like the early stuff with uh, Brain walking under the ladder and sort of putting on this this big performance to prove that uh, bad luck is bad and the kids all being like bad luck isn't real and the kids all being in like shock and awe of all the l- bad luck that Brain's bringing upon him. And then I liked the awful dream sequence in which Brain got sucked into the earth and died uh, because he was so unlucky. I don't know why, but uh, I kind of got a kick out of this episode. It's not like a great episode or anything, uh, but after Arthur loses his marbles, I found it kind of enjoy. I found it pretty enjoyable. Well, I'm glad it worked for you where it didn't for me, uh, and uh, I, I, I can see the point you're making about the ending there. So maybe it's not as bad as I think, but eh, still didn't really do much for me. But fair enough. And there you have it. That is it. Arthur season six is in the books, baby. 
we did it. And we've got uh, a whole lot more surprises to come. This is the end of Season 6 coverage of Arthur. Season 7 coverage will be beginning very soon. But let me just give you, as we end off the episode here, a quick update on what the next couple of weeks are going to look like. Uh, So... Uh, Again, I apologize. Thank you, everybody, for the very kind messages, because indeed, I am getting married as we record this in three days this coming Saturday. So this episode is going to be going up this week, of course. You're listening to it now, obviously. Next week, we are going to be talking about season six as a whole. Lucas and I are going to be running down the season, what we think of it in general, and also giving our top five favorite episodes of this season. I can't wait to hear what your thoughts sound like in long form, Lucas, and I'm uh, and I and as well as your top 5 picks. I know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it might be uh more difficult to pick a top 5 than usual this time. Interesting. Uh, and I've already got my top five ready to go, so you'll be hearing about that. That's going to be coming out a little bit earlier next week. See probably Tuesday at the latest, because I'm actually going to be out of the country from next Wednesday to the Wednesday after. So I'm going to get up that up nice and early for everybody. And then two weeks from now, uh, I'm going to be coming back into the country, and I am going to be in no mood to do anything except sleep. So what's going to happen is we're going to have a filibuster ready to go for all of our patrons at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Now, Lucas, I think earlier you mentioned that you may want to be talking about the spring anime season. That's right. Uh, Spring anime season is upon us. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Did I finish watching the shows I started watching uh, last anime season, like Finding Neverland and Love is War? Well, the answer is no, but you know me. I'm a Fairweather fan, and I always got to talk about uh, the hot new kid on the block. And there's lots to talk about with the spring anime season. It's a, it's a, an exciting season, Will. And I will be giving my reviews. I'll be doing a couple of movie reviews talking about Captain Marvel and Us from Jordan Peele. And also giving my uh, truncated review, I'll be as quick as possible, of WrestleMania 35, which just happened this past weekend. I've got some thoughts about it. And uh, you may be surprised at what I have to say. I also have to say, uh, look, as long as we're talking about content in the future... It is April 10th. We are exactly one month away from me and Will's big Detective Pikachu review cast. Uh, So that is something to look forward to if you are a Patreon subscriber. That's right. Uh, If you're a Patreon subscriber, look for that coming up next month. As we enter Season 7, we've got some big episodes coming your way. Big Uh, things, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You, you you said it. Um, we're gonna in season seven. We're gonna be taking a look at Arthur's really rockin' music mix, which is the uh, final soundtrack album that Arthur released. We're gonna be looking at a couple of double episodes, including postcards from Buster. Whoa! What? Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, that's gonna, wild. We're gonna be looking at that in great detail. Trust me. And we're, we're going to have even more surprises and fun along the way as we enter into Season 7 starting in May. And the first episode of Season 7, which you can expect in early May, hopefully, in case everything goes okay, is going to be Castaway and the Great Sock Mystery. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, so, looking forward to that. For sure. Okay, well, everybody, thank you for a great Season 6. We've had a lot of fun talking with you, and feel free to let us know about your top picks for Season 6 as well over at uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com or on our social media. And uh, we'll be talking with you sooner rather than later with all that fun content to come. And, uh, Lucas, I'll be seeing you on Saturday, pal. I'll, I'll see. I'll see you on Saturday as well. Congratulations! Thank you, and uh, make sure to put your dancing shoes on. We're going, <laughs> we're, we're going to cut a rug. You're going to have to teach me how to floss. All right? Okay, I'll, I definitely will. All right. My name's Will Young, and that's the end of Arthur season six for Lucas Mancini. Did Francine try to sign up twice? We'll see you in season seven. <laughs>